We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, like biblical teachings and personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad to be starting da da da, da Season 3. That's season why we've been, 3. Yeah. Did you know we'd ever make it to a Season 3 when we first started out, Brother Brandon? Nope, but God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time He is, God good. is good. Right. But we've definitely missed doing these podcast episodes brother brandon and i have been extremely busy the past couple yes. of weeks uh we got to experience uh, a time of going to camp as we have been leading for a very good while the hillcrest baptist youth week mm-hmm. uh, over in Caven rock illinois and i had such a wonderful time there i'm sure brother brandon did as well and oh yeah we we got to see four souls enter into yes. the kingdom of God as they submitted themselves before uh, our Savior Jesus Christ, and yeah. they they took that step from death into life. And there was a lot of rejoicing. Man, we're I think I'm still a little bit tired. <laughs> those oh, yeah. kids, those kids have a lot of energy and. About a decade ago, I could keep up with them. And now, uh, even sitting still, I can hardly yeah. keep up with them. Oh, but, that's my favorite part is being sleep deprived. I'm, I'm trying to see how far I can go, you know, before it just kills me. Yeah. So. There, there was a time where Friday when we were going home, I was like, man, I was so tired that that whole week just kind of slipped by. Like yeah. never before, and right. and then I just slept for like fifteen hours straight after I got yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. But man, it was amazing. Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like I, I went into the chapel at one point because we were allowing some students to worship a little bit longer. They requested it, and we were having our our meetings for the counselors and whatnot. And then at midnight, I walked in to to let them know that the counselor meetings were over and that they were going to need to wrap it up and and get on over to their dorms. But they were just so intent on continuing yeah. worship, and and they were praying <laughs> with each other, reading the Bible together, singing praises to God. That I couldn't just quite, you know, say, "Hey, let's wrap it up." So I just sat Stop down. Stop praising and, God right now! <laughs> right? Stop <laughs> praising God. But uh, I just decided to sit down and and let them continue on in that. And man, they praised God all the way to three thirty in the morning, and mm. then went to sleep for a couple hours and then woke up to praise God again. And man, that was, that was something amazing. That's yeah. something that I cherish. And I'm so glad that I got to be a part of that experience, but I'm so glad to be back uh, with you, brother Brandon here and recording another episode of the faith one, six, eight podcast. And we're picking up in season three where we left off in season two, continuing to talk about 
Jonah. So, so enlighten us, Brother Brandon, on what we're going to discuss today. Absolutely, and the feeling is mutual. I'm glad to be recording the, another episode of the Faith 168 podcast, and like Chris said, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but yeah, we're going to just pick up where we left off, and we're going to go for another swim <laughs> in the book of Jonah. And as we shall see, S-E-A, Jonah is a little <laughs> tied down in this part of the story. And that's all the puns I got for right now that I know of. So Yeah, please but, don't stop listening to the Faith 168 podcast. <laughs> yeah, we beg you to stay. Just bear through the puns, please. Um, but yeah, we're going back to Jonah. Jonah has gotten himself into some trouble since the last time we looked at this story. He ran from God's call in his life and ran on a boat going to Tarshish. God sent a great storm after him. And the way it ended was with Jonah being tossed overboard into the sea. And the story kind of leaves you with a cliffhanger. You think, well, I guess that's it. You know, Jonah perished. He's dead. He Mm -hmm. drowned at sea. He asked for the sailors to throw him overboard. And he must have just died, and that's the conclusion. Well, because of God's grace, this is not the conclusion. As we see in this story, God sent a great fish after the reluctant prophet to save him from the depths of the sea. Mm. And as Jonah is delivered through this great fish, he offers up a very rich and polished prayer to the Lord which I always call a fishy prayer because there's something just a little bit off about this prayer, as we shall see. Yeah. But let's go ahead and just jump right in here. Really where we want to pick up now is at the end of chapter 1 and verse 17, the last verse there. And here's what the scripture says. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. Now, what we have portrayed here is just a really beautiful scene. It's really one of the truths that glow throughout this whole book. Namely, that God mercifully delivers us from troubles of our own making. Troubles that we have heaped upon our own heads. You know, that's what God does for us. He raises us from pits that we have dug for ourselves. Yeah. He heals us from fires that we have started and have been burned by. He mercifully and graciously dries tears that have been produced by grievous circumstances of our own making. And that's what we see with Jonah, the running prophet. The storm was his fault. He brought that on himself. The fact that he was tossed into the ocean depths was his own fault as well. And if he was getting what he deserved, he should have perished at sea. Right. But here God shows his great love for him and his great love for everybody who runs away from him. And he miraculously and mercifully delivers Jonah from death. And through a very unconventional means by sending this great fish to swallow him up to save his life. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really interesting about this verse is the word choice. It says that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Mm -hmm. Chris, what do you think that means that 
the Lord appointed a fish to come after Jonah? And what might be the significance of that? Yeah, uh, I think the big significance is just a good focus right here on God's sovereignty. It's it's a little more than God just sending a great fish mm-hmm. to to appoint a great fish it is to kind of predetermine or preordain yeah. uh, something to happen. And so we get this good understanding here that God, who is sovereign and knows all, knew that when he called Jonah to this task to go out and preach to the people of Nineveh, that he was going to indeed jump up and and run away, Mm -hmm. go in the opposite direction, and that he appointed this fish to swallow Jonah at Mm -hmm. that very exact time, well before this time ever happened. And so I think it's a very important word to look at, that word appointed right there. Yeah, that's right. The fish was basically waiting on him. Mm-hmm. It's something God set up in his sovereign calendar a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's not a fish that God sent after Jonah because Jonah asked for it. You know, I think that's really the point. Jonah was not like in the bottom of the sea crying out for help. You know, he right. he wanted to end this whole thing. He thought he could escape God's call and God's voice by just drowning to death. Mm-hmm. But it was God who had this fish waiting for Jonah for the sole purpose of his deliverance. Yeah. And so that's important to remember, you know, Jonah's deliverance, it's not a fortunate accident. You know, it wasn't a lucky close call. It was, as you said, God's sovereignty and his precious providence. His salvation from death is simply a miracle of mercy wrought Mm -hmm. by a mightily sovereign God. Now, this is a beautiful thing here, but of course, it is this very deliverance which has earned a lot of skepticism and criticism from different people. You know, people question the the physical feasibility of Jonah's being saved in the belly of a fish. They're like, well, how can he survive? especially mm-hmm. for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, whether it's a whale uh, that I know you love yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> or, uh, or some other, you know, sea creature. And really, I don't think we should delve into those things too much because God has already proven his great power uh, to do the impossible mm-hmm. in this story. I mean, God has proven himself to be the Lord of creation, able to accomplish feats that defy possibilities yeah i mean if you look thus far god has already created and sent a storm after jonah he sovereignly intervened and guided the course of a game uh, casting lots and now god has used an agent in creation to deliver jonah yeah even go back even further than that just looking at all of scripture in general that he spoke and the worlds came into creation that he parted the red sea for the children mm-hmm. of Israel. You know, the things that the big fish swim in, uh, he parted yeah. them and made it dry land. So, so to question how this could possibly happen. Well, how could a lot of those things possibly yeah, happen? Right. It's just, you know, God being God. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, he does the impossible. He's an omnipotent God who 
Um, it's not restrained by anything. Um, now I'm careful to say, uh, God can do everything because there are some things he can't do. He can't lie. Right. You know, but as far as limitations to his power, there are none. And right. we see that in this story. But to me, the miracle is not really that, you know, this big fish somehow gave Jonah uh, a comfortable place. Well, maybe not comfortable, but a place to be alive for a three-day stay. Mm-hmm. The miracle to me is that he was delivered at all. Right. You know, yeah. That's the real shock, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, God is holy. He's righteous and he's good. And he is kind and gracious to people like Jonah. People like all of us who are unholy, unrighteous, and evil. And that to me is the true miracle, that God would even deliver Jonah at all and that he would deliver any of us at all. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing here. It's a great miracle. And it's kind of like what the prophet Micah said in Micah chapter 7, where he said, who is a God like unto thee? Who's a God like you that mm-hmm. pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not stay angry forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and you will cast all of our sins in the depths of the sea. And so that's the kind of gracious, miracle-working God that we serve. Yeah. And so the overall lesson here, I think, for us is, you know, Jonah, he'd royally messed up. He really sinned greatly against the Lord. But he learned, and we learned from this, that God had more grace and mercy than Jonah had sinned. Right. He tried to get away from God. God was running faster after him in grace. Mm-hmm. And we can be encouraged in knowing that, especially when we sin, when we backslide, and when we are in rebellion against the Lord. Mm-hmm. We, we can't exhaust the mercy of God. We, we can't drain the sea of his loving kindness. He will always uh, meet us with mercy. He will always give us grace uh, for our sin. As Paul said, uh, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Mm -hmm. That's what we see for Jonah, and that's what we see really in our own life experience. And there's a lot more to look at in this chapter, in this story where Jonah is in the belly of the fish. Uh, So, Chris, why don't you take us to the next round of this story where Jonah prays from the belly of the fish. Yeah, let's read verse 1 through 9 and and listen to this prayer. We've got a lot to to talk on when we read exactly what he continues on. Uh, And so as we read verse 1 through 9 of chapter 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to you, Lord, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. 
I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Wow, there's a lot to uncover there. Yeah. <laughs> well, from a theological standpoint, just just breaking it down, like everything that Jonah says here is, is pretty true, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, I don't know the depths of his intentions here, but, you know, salvation is of the Lord. He, he saves us even when we don't really deserve that. Yeah. And the whole point of where Jonah is right now is, is simply he wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And, And just think about the selfishness that, that Jonah had in his heart before and even during praying this prayer. He was willing to die so that 120,000 other people would also die. And we hear the reverse side of that all of the time, that that one person would be willing to die so that 120,000 could live. But Jonah was so set in his selfish ways and the evil desires of his heart that he was wanting to die to stop God's plan completely at that point. And yet God saved him from that, even though, it, it, you know, in our logical understanding of how we think, we'd be like, yeah, God, just you, use someone else to go ahead and let him die. There's no use in, mm-hmm. in this guy anymore. God went ahead and saved him. And, and so God, he's he's been over this situation the whole time. He's been sovereign over this situation the whole time. And really in this, this salvation, I don't think is necessarily just for Jonah, uh, mm-hmm. for an understanding for him, because it seems too, as we go through the scripture and continue on in the book of Jonah, he never quite understands too much, or maybe he understands God too much and God isn't in line with Jonah's will. So Jonah rejects God's will and, mm-hmm. and we got to get away from, from doing that. But I think God saves Jonah not just for Jonah at this moment, but for us mm. as we read this right now. And, right. and we can look at this prayer because even in Jonah's foolishness, we see something very beautiful, that God's with him, that God hears him, and, and that he understands that too in that moment. And, and that's one thing that we can hold on to as we read through this, that even in our foolishness, when you are a child of God, when you belong to God, and Jonah, he was what? He was a prophet of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. For for all of, for lack of a better words, for all of his stupidity that he has shown us thus far and is going to continue to show us, he is a prophet of the Lord. He belongs to God. I'm sure God has used him in many ways that we don't see in Scripture. But at this moment, even though he's running from the will of God, God's not willing to let go of him, not willing to let him die, but wants him to learn something even deeper, wants us to learn something even deeper as we read this. But 
but that's something that we can take to heart right there that even in the depths of Sheol and, and when we talk about that that's that's a word that's used throughout scripture that that's meaning the realm of the dead and it's referenced throughout scripture as hell it's referenced Mm -hmm. as the grave it's referenced as hades that that there's no depths that there's no place created that can keep you away from god or better way of putting it keep god away from you and so Mm, think of just the depths of the ocean the scariest parts of the ocean uh that that you know there's no help there and that that's maybe another reason why i don't like big fish is because of how far down into the ocean (laughs) they can go and then i feel just thinking about going to those depths makes me a little claustrophobic because of the the pressure down there the coldness the darkness all, all of that bad stuff is mm. just crazy. Yeah, that's pretty scary. But but to think that that you know you're so far away from everything, yet God is still able to reach you. And so there's a really good understanding to that that Jonah's bringing up is that even right there in the belly of that fish, going deep into the ocean, God can hear him, and God is with him, and and He's working out something for not only Jonah to learn, but for us to learn. And this is something that's brought up quite often in scripture about God hearing us. He hears our prayers, but more specifically, those that belong to him. John 9, 31 says, now we know that God does not hear sinners. That's very important because God's obviously having some conversations with with Jonah in this, but mm-hmm. uh, because Jonah does belong to him. But it says, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. In 1 Peter 3.12, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And even further in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked him. And so God does hear those that believe in him and worship him and follow him, but he doesn't hear it when we go against his will. He hears still, but in a different way. He hears our stubbornness. He hears our complaints. He hears our griping. And then he says, but I'm God and I know what's best. Let me go ahead and take you the right direction. Yeah. And so Jonah wanted all of this to end. God said, it's not ending here, Jonah. I'm going to continue to bring you along. I'm going to continue to teach you a little bit more and through you teach everybody else that's reading this. Because how often do we get like Jonah? (laughs) Because think about this. He is in the belly of a big fish and he's saying to God in in a way that Brandon's going to probably talk about here in a little bit, thank you for saving me. He's not thanking God for saving those dudes on the boat. He's he's not thanking God (laughs) for, for what he's about to do through Jonah when he goes to Nineveh. Finally, he's saying, well, 
thank you, God, for, for saving me. So again, a little, a little self-centered in that. Yeah. But we do understand this too, that God not only hears his children, but he humbles his children. And we see that that's mm. something that Jonah's going through. And so I have to ask myself sometimes, why am I in the pit that I am in? What, mm-hmm. what What's going on around me? Why, why am I here? And there's sometimes that God has to sit me down and humble me because of my disobedience. And we can read about that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. It says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what is a son, uh, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, Mm. afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And there's another understanding of God's grace and love too, that, that Jonah being swallowed by a fish isn't, even necessarily just a whole bunch of man, Jonah, I don't really like you right now. It's (laughs) yeah. Him saying, I love you, Jonah. And you're about to learn something here. It's him correcting his child. I I have two children and one, he doesn't get to do a whole lot yet. He's just now finding his, his little giggle, but, but Mm -hmm. my little girl, she's in what you call the terrible twos, right? And if you ever experienced the terrible twos, it's when they learn to bite, kick, scream, say no over and over and over and disobey everything that you say. And so my daughter will sometimes do the exact thing I'm telling her not to and then laugh. Like like one of those those laughs you see with the the villains on cartoons and yeah, you're like, right. "Oh my goodness, that's crazy." Yeah. <laughs> And then I have to discipline her. Mm-hmm. I, I have to teach her in that way. And it's not fun for her. She she kicks and screams and cries. What I do is I kind of put her in a timeout. If she does something she's not allowed to do, I set her in my lap and I just hold her down for a little bit and hold her there with me and say, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to stay here with me for a little bit. I know you want to go kick and play and do all these other things and burn down the house, whatever. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. I'm going to hold you in my arms for a little bit and it's going to be uncomfortable, but this is mm. for your benefit so that you can learn. And there's not one point as I'm holding her down, even though I'm irritated, even though I wish she hadn't done some of the things she had just done. There's not one point as I'm holding her in my arms. Do I look at her and say, man, I don't like you. Mm. Yeah. It's all, I love you so much and I want the best for you. So right now, you have to endure this time of discipline. And really, I think this great fish is God's arms wrapped around Jonah saying, you need to stop. You need to listen. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this is more of just God's grace 
for Jonah because guess what? Just as Brandon said at the beginning, the miracle is he's being saved right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost seems to us like it would be easier just to take him on. But ultimately, we see God's abundant grace, his abundant love for Jonah. And if God can love Jonah in his disobedience, guess what? He can love you too. And my encouragement for you in hearing this is that when you find yourself in the pit, sometimes the pit is a pit we've dug ourselves into. And really, ultimately, what what has Jonah done? He's dug his, himself into a pit. He's It's his yeah. fault mm-hmm. that he is where he's at. Correct. But we have to sit back and say, God, why am I here? Sometimes we're here because the enemy's attacking us, but that's not the lesson that God's giving us here. What, the lesson that God's giving us here through Jonah is that sometimes... He has to put us in a predicament that forces us to sit down and acknowledge him, even if we're grumpy while doing so. And Mm. so I'm not going to talk too much about Jonah's grumpiness. I'll I'll let you, Brother Brandon, go ahead and talk to us about (laughs) his, his grumpiness there. Yeah, those are some really powerful points. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as, God trying to get Jonah's attention here and disciplining him. It was tough, you know, but it was an expression of his love. But I thought just really quickly we might go through Jonah's prayer here. We won't look at every individual word, but there's just so much that is important for us to note here. Um, So at first glance, seems like a pretty good prayer, doesn't it? Seems like it's pretty, you know, pious and uh, pretty religious. You know, Jonah talks about crying out to the Lord and he talks about God rescuing him when his life was fading away. And he, he seems to have everything right, you know. But if you dive into the prayer just a little bit more, you can kind of see that Jonah hadn't learned his lesson yet. You know, mm-hmm. God's got a, like that analogy you use, which is so good. God's got to hold him a little bit longer here in order for him to learn his lesson. Because really what's going on in this prayer, if you look into it, is Jonah's not really praying, Lord, thank you for saving a wretch like me. He's actually praying something like, oh, Lord, Thank you for saving a good soul like me, because mm-hmm. you wouldn't make it without me. <laughs> Basically, sin had still had uh, it still had Jonah blind. It still had him deluded and deceived, and we see that in this prayer. First of all, we see Jonah still thinks he's innocent. Can you believe that? <laughs> After all he's went through. <laughs> He still thinks he's innocent. And Mm -hmm. our listeners may wonder, well, how does he still think he's innocent when he's acknowledging that God delivered him here? Well, you got to look into it just a little bit further here. If you look at verses 1 and mainly uh, mainly verse 2, he talks about crying out to the Lord out of his distress, and God answered him. Well, again, at first glance, that seems great. That seems, you know, theologically correct and all that. But... 
if you are an avid reader of the book of Psalms, you might recognize that Jonah plagiarized this part of his prayer from what we call the Vindication Psalms. Now, there's a lot of different kind of psalms in the Psalter. There's psalms of confession and lamentation and repentance, thanksgiving, praise, grief, brokenheartedness. But there's also psalms of vindication where the psalmist and the, those who are doing the praying are praying for deliverance from suffering at the hands of evildoers. Mm-hmm. And they'll say something like this because they're innocent. They're saying, you know, God, I'm innocent of wrongdoing. I'm not guilty. And I cried out to you out of my distress and you heard me. And Jonah is essentially stealing that and saying, God, I have always been in the right. You cast me into the sea, although I'm innocent. And I had to pray to you or else you never would have delivered me. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of he's not really acknowledging his sin yet. And he thinks that he is innocent. So that's one delusion we see here. Another delusion is Jonah thinks that he is responsible for his own salvation, which is Mm -hmm. funny because, as you just noted earlier, he says at the end of verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord, which means that salvation comes from God. But in this prayer, the emphasis is on the one doing the praying, not the one listening to it. You see Jonah saying, I prayed, I called out to you. I was driven away from your sight. It's I, I, I. All the attention is focused on him. Mm -hmm. And so he is thinking that he was responsible for his own salvation. Something else that he does here, which is a delusion, is he put all the blame on God for his troubles. If you look at verses 3 through 4, he says, You cast me into the deep. Your waves and your billows passed over me. You drove me away from your sight. Well, that's kind of true, isn't it? You know, yes, God sent the storm. He sent the waves. This was a means of waking Jonah up to his sinful condition. Mm -hmm. But who brought it on themselves in the first place? Jonah. Jonah was responsible for all this. God just sent these things to him as a reaction. Right. But here he's blaming God. He's saying, man, God, you you come after somebody like me, somebody innocent of wrongdoing, and you sent all these things after me. And he just continues with these delusions, and one of the delusions that really is the climax of his sinful thinking here is in verse 8, where he talks about, Worshiping idols. This is so strange. This is so yeah. like bizarre and out of left field, isn't it? Here he's praying about God delivering him, and then boom, in verse 8 he says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I mean, duh. That's that's pretty clear, but, but why is Jonah talking about pagan worship in the middle of this prayer? Well, he's thinking back to those sailors. He's thinking back to those mariners that he was on the boat with who were calling out to their gods. And he thought that they perished in the storm and that they deserved it and that he was saved from death 
and he deserves salvation. Mm-hmm. So he's basically engaging in this really unfair comparison between himself and the sailors, thinking that they deserve to perish while he deserved to live, even though it was his idea. It's just so funny, honestly, that was his idea to be thrown into the water in the first place. Yeah. And then last of all, he makes an empty promise in verse 9. He says, I will make vows and sacrifices to you. Yeah. Well, Chris, is there anywhere in the book of Jonah where he actually does that? I'm not aware of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They must have skipped that part. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, wasn't much of a sacrifice to make when he eventually... Like yeah. reluctantly preach to the Ninevites like a one sentence sermon. Right. <laughs> that God and, and we see a little more preach, complaining you know? later and you know, but no yeah. sacrifice. Which yeah, which he, is strange because, you know, from deliverance in in any occasion that that you know we look at in scripture, when the children of God are delivered from their troubles, what's the mm-hmm. first thing they do? They sacrifice to God. Yeah, and, right. And we don't see that as he's saying, I'm being delivered by you, O God. <laughs> we don't see that as soon mm-hmm. as the deliverance is complete. We don't see him go through with what he's saying here. Yeah, it's just lip service, mm-hmm. empty promises. He's like, all right, I will make sacrifices. And what a contrast between him and the sailors because the way the story ended in chapter one was when the mariners were in fear of the Lord, it says in verse 16, they feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the right. Lord. And made the reaction vows. to deliverance, the immediate yeah. action to deliverance. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if anybody's cast in a positive light in this story, it's the pagans yeah. whom God converts. And the person who's cast in a negative light is the man who knows better who right. is a prophet from Israel, who knows the the true and living God, who knows the Old Testament, and it's him that is running from God. It's this man who is still not owned up to the reality of his sin. Yeah, And that's kind of what sin does to us, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It makes us think we're innocent. It makes us think we can save ourselves. It makes us think we're better than others. And we share in all of Jonah's delusions here, when we run from God, yep. sin really gets a hold on us in a powerful way and not a good way either. Right. But finally, uh, as we come to the end of this story, we see that Jonah is kind of delivered all over again. He was delivered from death as he was thrown into the ocean, but now he's delivered onto dry land. As the story says in Chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, I guess I'll read this. It says, The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What's Mm. going on in that verse, Chris? Well, I'm glad I haven't eaten in a little bit, just thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it smelled amazing. (laughs) Well, just thinking from a poetic standpoint here, and and really, it's uh, Jonah is a very poetic book it that is, we're yeah. reading because what what we're seeing is God is is using this to kind of like put up a mirror in front of us and we're seeing a lot of a lot of like very 
crazy and, and uh, sometimes even dramatic things going on, things that truly happen, but things that are trying to point us to a greater understanding. And, and I think as we see this, there's a lot of ways that Jonah could have, you know, gotten out of this fish uh, some ways better than others, of course. But yeah. <laughs> here we have, he is vomited up. And I think this is kind of a show of the understanding of Jonah's intents here, because if Jonah uh, was vomited up, that's that's kind of giving us this understanding that God was displeased with him, mm-hmm. that God was, you know, in a sense, disgusted with his actions and that nothing that he said in the belly of that fish really took away any of that disgust. But yeah there was still a lesson to be learned. Therefore he was delivered from death and he was delivered in a way he never expected. And that's something that we have to understand is that God does deliver us in ways that we don't often expect. And deliverance can be pretty brutal sometime. Uh, You know, just like the birth of a child and, you know, delivering a child, it's a beautiful thing to be delivered, but the, the way that that happens is painful and, and messy. Uh, and it begins with great pain, but it ends with complete joy in the end. And I hope that's what Jonah found eventually. We don't ever get to really see that. Yeah. But he went through a lot of painful, painful ways of deliverance uh, because God uh, sent storms after him to deliver him sent a fish after him to deliver him, had that fish vomit him out to deliver him. And so deliverance isn't always an easy experience. Yeah, that's true. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, God delivered him. Again, God shows his grace and mercy here and gives Jonah a second chance. I mean, I don't know about you, man. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could give him a second chance after all this. (laughs) Um well, I would have been uh, but, begging right then and there, just seeing a big fish. Please, God, please, God, don't, yeah, don't let yeah. this happen. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been your experience. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's amazing, you know. We see Jonah engaging in such a serious rebellion against God, and God just continues to pour out grace to him. And, again, we have to be careful to point the finger here because, you know, if we're pointing one finger at Jonah, there's nine pointed back at us. You know, yeah. this is a story of us. We run mm-hmm. from God. We are disobedient. And God continues to be merciful and gracious to us. Yeah. And that's something we can be thankful for. Yeah. And, and I think, too, we see Jonah taking a step in the right direction. Not not a great step. Maybe like a half step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because we see a small portion of him submitting to the will of God. Not wholeheartedly, but somewhat. And so discipline sometimes is a process and this was the first part of it. And we don't know how far this went and what God did with Jonah after this, we're literally seeing the worst part of Jonah's life right here. Yeah. And you may be looking at Jonah and thinking, man, I act just like him and thinking and you might think there's no deliverance for you there, but that's not what the whole point is. The whole mm-hmm. point is to look at this and realize that we can be like Jonah sometimes and that we should probably 
figure out how to not be like him before we get swallowed by a big fish. Yeah, right. Pretty good point. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's chapter two. That's all of chapter two right yeah. there that we covered in this episode. A little bit uh, longer episode, but hey, it's, it's a good thing to talk about. And I look forward to continuing on and looking more at uh, what what happens to Jonah as he is vomited up onto dry land. Uh, and now he's going to go and somewhat follow the will of God as we continue on. But I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Faith 168 podcast. I'd encourage you to, to take this to heart and realize that we have a God that loves us no matter what situations we're in. And he wants the best for us. And sometimes we have to learn some lessons the hard way. And we should realize that when we do learn those lessons the hard way, that that's still God being graceful, merciful, and loving toward us. Amen. But Brother Brandon, it's been great to record another episode with you and begin chapter three of this journey, season three of this journey of the Faith 168 podcast. Go ahead and dismiss us in prayer. Sure, absolutely. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Again, we truly say with the prophet Micah, who is a God like you, who is abundant in mercy and pardons our transgressions. Thank you for the countless times, dear Lord, you have delivered us from trouble of our own making, just as you did for this prophet Jonah. And Father, we just pray that we might continue to love you and walk in faithfulness so that we can avoid these troubles and these tribulations that you sometimes send our way to arrest our attention and get us on the right path. So thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for this story we have. And we just pray that you might bless all of us and bless our listeners as they seek to live faithfully for Jesus the next 168 hours of the week. We pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.